My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 175 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast. I'm really glad that you're part of the family and I want you to go a step further and join our community. Just head over to LegallyCluelessAfrica.com and sign up. We have over 100 people signing up, which means now I really have to send you that special note this week. I was meant to do it last week and then there was the Legally Clueless workshop so things just got so far ahead of me but this week I'm going to do it because wow over 100 super awesome and another thing that's super awesome is the story that's coming up in this episode because it's so insightful like when I was recording it I couldn't wait to share it with you and I'm so happy it's happening in this episode listen to this and the sadness started then so like I'd stay in bed the whole day I'm not sharing I've put on weight it would be a day I don't feel like doing anything I'm just in bed the whole day it affected my relationship because I'm very chatty I'm very hyper so my partner noticed he constantly used to ask are you okay are you okay I don't feel quite beautiful because I've gained weight so when I was going to sleep I listened to a voice note that one of my best friends had sent me and when I had that line I broke down I had like a panic attack I can't breathe I remembered I have a friend who is a therapist. So I called her. So my partner is like, did you talk to the therapist? I'm like, no. The first question she asked me, do you think you're depressed? I'm like, no, no, I'm not depressed. I just had a bad day. Oh my word. This story is so insightful, especially when she talks about therapy, about how certain mental conditions just like affect relationships there's so much I can't wait for you to hear it it's coming up a little later in this episode but how are you doing I really hope you've had a good week and I hope it was full of grace and peace as I'm always wishing on you just because I know how important those two things are well in my journey they've been very important I've had a very good week you know those weeks where you do things that are so fulfilling that you know you're working smack within your passion that always feels so good. So facilitating the Legally Clueless workshop this past week was amazing. Like I was in my element and then the feedback from all the attendees was superb. I mean, at the end during the Q&A, one person asked, when's the next one? And I was just like, yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) That I do not have the answer to. But yeah, more workshops are going to be coming and Man, I just, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of how taking a chance on yourself and on your idea can just like expand you exponentially. You know, if you're in that moment where I was before or right around the time I quit my job, I know these tons of fear. Just trust yourself and trust that the universe will meet you halfway when you make that leap. And then I think also the reason why this past week was such a high is I've really reduced the noise in my life. I'm going through like months of solitude. This is month, maybe month five. And only now is when I'm like trying to get out and interact with people. But like the the joy that has brought is that I can really hear myself. I can hear what I want to do. I can pour into myself. And so it makes the moments where I'm truly in my element so much richer. Ah, 
It was great. It was great. So another great thing that is coming up is the yoga event. I told you about it in the last episode. And the story featured in episode 174 is by one of our yoga instructors. So I'm really excited about this, especially when they broke down to me about trauma. So most of the times when we go through different traumas in our lives, and it can be childhood trauma, it could be trauma in a relationship, it could be just stress, not to diminish stress because it's also pretty hectic, but it could be stress. A lot of these things, we'll either see a therapist or do some sort of activity to help us process them mentally, but we forget that these things actually sit in our bodies, in our physical bodies. And so we forget to process them physically. That's kind of like what's going to be happening at this yoga well-being event. It's our first Legally Clueless Africa event and the three things that are going to happen are body movements, so come in very comfortable clothes. We're also going to do meditation, which is great, but let me tell you the one thing I'm really looking forward to is the sharing circles. I think those really help us connect, they'll birth a sisterhood. It's it's going to be something. It's going to be something that you definitely want to be part of. And then once we're done with those three things, we'll have lunch together and then be best friends forever. Now I'm playing, but like, you know, connections will be birthed. So if you head over to LegallyCluelessAfrica.com and click the events tab, there's more information there and you can buy your tickets. Tickets are 4,000 bob and we have very limited spaces. In fact, like we're trying to sweet talk the venue to just let us expand the number a bit, but it's going to be a bit difficult. So it has to be limited because also it needs to be a safe space. We need to be able to connect and it's kind of hard to do that when you're too many. So very limited, very, very limited tickets. So if I were you, I'd buy mine now and uh, 6th of August is when it's going down. Okay, away from that. Away from that, let's jump into the song of the week, which this week is a classic. Shout out to the lady who introduced me to this particular classic African artist. Her name is Anne. She was my first ever boss. And the few times I got to use her laptop, no, her desktop, because as an inter, did I even have my own? computer. Most of the time I was out delivering letters, blah, blah, blah. But the few times I got to like work on her computer, I'd go to her music library and hers was like this huge Apple desktop. It was so fancy. And she only really had this guy's music. <laughs> and at that time, I'm like in my era of listening to really silly, shallow music. So I'm like, what is this? But I started playing it and I'd be like, hmm, I like this guy. I like this guy. And so the song of the week is a classic. It's by Manu Dibango and it's Soul Makosa. I really like this song. Shout out to Anne. You elevated my music palette. <laughs> back when I was a clueless teenager. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'll put a link to the song in the show notes if I'm elevating your palette now. But in case you know the song, chances are you probably forgot. So there's a nice opportunity to go back and jam to it. But yeah, that is the song of the week. So we're about to get into 100 African stories, but I'm constantly putting you on to other spaces that are celebrating African stories. And there is another that I've partnered with and I'm really excited about it because I've gotten a sneak peek into the show and it looks 
really good. I'm definitely going to be watching this one. And it's a brand new series by Guinness and it's called Black Shines Brightest Stories. This is not my first time partnering with Guinness and every single time I have, the premise or the foundation has been to amplify and to celebrate dope African creatives and it's great to see that throughout the years they've kept that theme going and so they're launching this new series the Black Shines Brightest Stories and it's a behind the scenes look at how pioneering Africans in the arts, in music, in food, in fashion are breaking new ground and I know you feel it right every single episode of Legally Clueless but even beyond that there's an energy of Africa is where it's at. There's an energy of just like Africans innovating, amplifying their cultures, using their cultures to create some amazing things. And so it is time for this kind of show. It is time for this kind of show. So the stories will premiere on DSTV on the 23rd of July. And then they'll also continue on the 24th, on the 30th and the 31st of July. So those four days at 6.30 p.m., you best be behind your screen watching DSTV because you're going to get a chance to get a bit more intimate with visionaries behind the vision and see their thoughts on being African, their creative process. Again, as I said, I've watched a bit of it and I was just like, please just send me the whole episode, which of course they can't. But the little bit I watched is so brilliant. This is definitely a show you don't want to miss. And so what I did ask my Guinness families, if I could play you a little snippet of the show before it premieres on the 23rd of July. Listen to this. It's kind of a way of life. It's, It's definitely part of your makeup. It's about what your heritage is. Firstly, does black shine? I think it does. I know it does. But I shine. And black is like an amalgamation of every colour within the rainbow. Mm. So it's this diversity. For me, it's creativity. It's that space, space, literally space, space Mm. to do you. I'm not even going to tell you which amazing Africans those are speaking. You just make sure you're in front of your screen on the 23rd, 24th, 30th and 31st of July, 6.30pm on DSTV. It's the Black Shines Brightest Stories, a brand new series by Guinness. Now, speaking of stories, let's jump into 100 African stories. And as I said, I really like this story because... The storyteller takes us through figuring out something was wrong mentally with her and just trying to like ask, is this a bad day? Is this a bad season? Are these feelings normal? Should I go see someone? And then getting diagnosed with depression and anxiety. She also talks, "Ah, man, like there's so much she talks about that I can identify with, like how it affects your relationships, intimate relationships, how people center themselves when you share that you're battling a certain thing. Let me tell you, this story is one for the books. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. So last year, just before my 26th birthday in October, two months before that, I quit my job. As I was doing that job, because it was a night shift job, I was managing my mom's apartments. So I used to do both of them. And the workplace was not... I mean, the people I was working with were really nice. Mm -hmm. But then the environment 
was not healthy. I wanted to keep up because my mom keeps saying that I need to try and stick in one place. But I was like, if I stay here any longer, I'm going to lose my mind. So I decided to quit the job. And then I had stopped modeling because, I mean, it's only fair that you do modeling during the day. So, and I really love modeling. So I had stopped modeling. I got into this job, which was very unhealthy for me. And my relationship was, it was rough. It was newish. So it was still like the honeymoon phase and everything was nice. So just before my birthday, my partner had to leave. There's something he was attending to. And now I started thinking, okay, so I don't have a job. I'm not modeling anymore. I've been out of it for almost five months. So I can't go back to it. And I felt like that because that's what I used to identify myself as. Like, hi, I'm Noni. I'm a model. And everyone would be like, oh, you have such a nice body. You have nice legs. And so now I'm like, okay, so I'm not a model anymore. So I'm not offering anything. I felt like I've lost everything that I had and I don't have anything to my name. And the sadness started then. So I'd feel bad. And then my mom's job, like the apartments, they're not as demanding that I have to go every day. I just need to be there maybe when a client is checking in or checking out or if I'm taking shopping to the lady who cleans for us. So like I'd stay in bed the whole day. I'm not eating. And previously I was eating a lot. And then it's junk food. So even junk food, I'm not eating. I'm not sharing. I've put on weight. So that was also another thing. So I've put on weight. I can't go back to modeling because there's a certain way I looked. So I can't go back to it because it'll be noticeable. And everyone that I used to meet would be like, oh, you've put on some weight. And I'm like, yeah, is that the first thing you have to say when you see me? So yeah. So they became like, it used to be so bad, but it would be a day. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just in bed the whole day. The next day, I'm fine. The next two days, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just in bed the whole day. It affected my relationship because I'm very chatty. I'm very hyper. I I feel like I'm a child. So I'm always talking. I'm also very playful. So my partner noticed and he's like, he constantly used to ask, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just feeling, you know. And then now, when on my birthday, I spent it with my cousin. So I had earlier mentioned to her that I've been feeling quite low. And she's like, do you want to do like a birthday date? I'm like, no, I just want to stay by myself. So she decided to come over. So we had cake, fell asleep on the couch, and then she left. So I was left alone. And then, so like, you know, when a birthday comes, when it's your birthday, you want to reevaluate. Like, hmm, so what am I looking for? Like, what am I looking forward this year? And like, what do I want to do? And all those things. So at this time, I feel like I don't have anything. I'm not looking forward to anything. I don't want to do anything. And now it hit me that there's something wrong. But I couldn't pinpoint to it. So my partner came back and we celebrated just me and him because at that time I'm like I can't go to a social space because 
like social media was a platform I used to use formerly. So I don't want to go to a social place because it's hard for me to go to a place and not recognize even one person or vice versa. So I'm like, I don't want people to see me. I don't feel quite beautiful because I've gained weight. So let's just do it, me and you. So we went, had dinner, bought board games, and then we decided to drink at home. It was drinking game. So we drank, we drank, played, and then it got to like 3 a.m., because he had to go to work the next day. Um, he's like, let's go sleep, and then we can carry on over the weekend. So when I was going to sleep, I listened to a voice note that one of my best friends had sent me. And she was like, I know you're going through so much. Whatever it is, it's okay for you to feel that way. And about the weight gain, if you're comfortable with the way you look, you need now to learn how to shut down the comments or just tell people that you're not comfortable with them mentioning it to you and she's like you just need to be kind to yourself and when i had that line i broke down because i had been so hard on myself i wasn't even taking care of myself like i was just like you know what whatever happens happens i like i wasn't making any positive change even the weight gain you know it's something that you can work towards losing so i wasn't doing it i, was, I even made it worse so now I'm like, okay, I've already gained the weight. Everyone knows. If I continue eating, there's, I mean, yeah, I'm already used to. You've gained weight, you've gained weight. So now she's like, be kind to yourself. And I broke down and then I had like a panic attack. So I can't breathe. And then I've never experienced this before. My partner is also unaware of what to do. So, and weirdly enough, like I could, like shadows were scaring me. And I've never been scared of shadows. I've never been scared of the dark. So it took us like 45 minutes for me to just calm down and collect myself. And the thing that even helped me was I remembered I have a friend who is a therapist. So I called her and because I was not, because I was just like, hi, um, I'm not doing so well. And I was breaking. So I gave my partner the phone. So I'm like, kindly talk to her and let her know. I feel like she she's, she should be able to help me. So they talked and then, so he helped me and then he waited till I slept so that he could sleep. So my friend recommended a therapist who I texted in the morning. And so she was like, yeah, you, I'm going to call you so that we talk. But then the next day I was fine. So I'm like, hmm. I don't think I need to see a therapist because, I mean, I'm not sad anymore. I'm actually happy. Everything is fine. And then, so I, when she called, I didn't pick up. I was like, I, I don't need help. Then three days later, I had a breakdown again. So my partner is like, did you talk to the therapist? I'm like, no. And then he's like, I think you need to do it. For a week, the habit was when I have a breakdown or when I have low moments, that's when I text her. But... When I'm okay, I, I'm like, I don't need, yeah. But then now the breakdowns became so frequent. And I decided, okay, you know what, let me just try it. Because I don't know the source of what's happening. So I talked to my therapist, I booked a session, and then we went. I remember that when I was explaining to her like what had been happening, the first question she asked me, do you think you're depressed? I'm like, no. I, I don't think depressed is the word to use. I just think I've been sad for a long time. Because I, I never thought I'd be one to say I'm depressed. Because I feel like 
when I'm going through the emotions, I allow myself to go through the emotions. So I'd be like, no, I'm not depressed. I just had a bad day. I cried. I slept. I ate. And then she's like, okay. So we started evaluating a lot of things. And now we got to some of the things that could be causing all these things. Most of them are because of my upbringing. And my upbringing, I don't want to go into details. But yeah, so my upbringing and the way I received love as a child was not how I was receiving love in this relationship. Because in this relationship, it's very unconditional. And for me, it's like anytime I did something wrong, the repercussions were like, I don't even know how to explain. Like, I we've, I face the repercussions. So even now in this relationship, when I do something wrong, I inflict self-punishment. Because I don't understand how I've done something wrong and you're not punishing me. You're not asking me to leave. You're not asking us to take a break. You want to work through it. But that's not what I know. For me, I know that if you do something wrong, you're punished. You're not given a listening ear. So things like that, um, we had to work through them. And then also, you know, when you go through when you go through therapy, you understand that these things come from within. So I'm already feeling like, okay, I I'm not like I used to be. So my value has gone down. And then I have all these things within me that are not good. So it's like I feel like now my value even goes down again. And I think during the first two months of therapy, it was so hard for me to understand because it's easier to always put the blame on someone else. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you know, you did this, that's why I'm mad. But you did that, but my reaction is my responsibility. So based off of what I'm going through, that's how I'm going to react to whatever you've done. And so even that was hard to accept. And then the fact that I was told that you suffer from depression and anxiety which i generally up to date i'm still like ah, i don't think so because i mean if you see me on a good day <laughs> you'd never think that you know i'm depressed or whatever i feel like the first two months of therapy were very excruciating for me because i had to now i know that it's now my duty to work on these things I have to take responsibility that, okay, the past happened, but you can't, you can't deal with the past in the present. You can't let that be your guiding tool. And things are very different now. So therapy, I mean, even now, nowadays, I'm just like, <sighs> some days I just don't want to go to therapy because I feel like, okay, so now I'm going to find out more things about me that are quote-unquote not the best traits that I have and I have to deal with that so during that period where I feel like I'm not enough I know put the pressure on my partner I want him to be the best version of me not even him I want to see myself in him so that I know okay this is what I'm gearing towards but you see we're two different people and so I feel like sometimes I put so much pressure on him to be 
the best version of me because I even tell him sometimes that I think once like I'm done with therapy for six months I need to take you to therapy because of the amount of things that I've put you through I don't think it's fair for anyone to go through that but the fact that he's been through it all with me has been very reassuring because anytime I feel like okay this is too much when it's too much for me I assume it's too much for him. And I'm like, hey, I'm just going, because we stay together. So I'm like, I'm just going to look for a place and be on my own. And then he's like, no, you need to be here so that even when you're feeling bad, you know that there's someone. Because on days where like I don't want to leave the bed, he'll bring me food. I'll eat. I'll be able to wake up and take a shower. So that aspect of having someone around sometimes you feel it's a bit overwhelming because you just want to be alone you just want to face your demons and if someone else is there you feel interrupted but i've learned even how to communicate so if i want to be alone i tell him i'm like so i'm going through this and this and i want to talk about it but not now so I just need some time to process it because I feel like even the way my mind translates things, it's on both extremes. It's either really good or really bad. 99.9% it's really bad. So I'm like, I need to allow myself to think about it and understand why I'm feeling that way. So that even when I tell you, it doesn't come out like I'm attacking you. And I don't want it to feel like you're the reason that all these things are happening. You're not the trigger. It's the situations that we're going through. My diagnosis happened over the first two months of my therapy. It wasn't just one day because I feel like I needed to accept that I could actually have a problem for me to be able to deal with it. So my therapist would ask me questions um, starting from how I feel about myself and that would lead to like my I have low self-esteem I don't have self-confidence I don't value myself and then due to the triggers that I used to have and the very low dark moments where like I'd even have suicidal thoughts then I feel like over time I'm even the one who said okay I think I'm depressed and even the anxiety because I tell her like I go out with my friends and I'm, it's like I'm on defense mode. If anyone tells me anything, I'll be like, so why have you not been around? I'm like, why haven't you also been around? It's just that we've not been in the same places. So I'm always anxious to be around people because there'll be those questions and I don't want to say, I've been going through ABCD. So actually come to think of it, I sort of helped myself realize that it's actually I'm actually depressed and I have like anxiety. And then so once I f- once I figured it out with the help of my therapist, I was okay. So I know if you're depressed you can take medication and it helps. So I asked my therapist, is it okay for me to be on drugs? And she's like, why do you feel like you need to take medication? Because I'm like, these low moments, like they hit so hard. And to some extent, I don't, like, it's like you're just in a dark room and it's all black. So whatever direction you go, 
the darkness does not end. And I was like, I need something that even if it's a low moment, it's not as bad. But then she was like, for that, you would first need to be evaluated and you'll need to do some tests, like thyroid tests, so that they can test, is it that there's a deficiency of something so that we can supplement it? But if it's emotional, if it's being caused by emotions, it's best to deal with the emotions. Because if you take the drugs, then you're not dealing with the problem. Because if it's, let's say, I don't know, there's something she mentioned about the thyroid B6. I don't know what that is. So she's like, if you're deficient in that, then we supplement it. But you'll, if you already have enough, then what are we giving you the drugs for? Because like in that moment, you just want it to end. And I feel like that's where, like now, even suicidal thoughts come in. Because you're like, I just want it to end. Because even when you sleep sometimes and you wake up, it's still there. And you're like, ah, it's not ending today. So yeah, so my diagnosis was more of me accepting that it's actually depression. That, yeah, some people have bad days, but yours, it's due to things that you need to deal with and you need to deal with those emotions so after my diagnosis so after i go um any therapy session that i go for my partner would ask how was the session today because i'm very chatty then i go into details although i withhold some information just because I'm not ready to share it because even I don't know how to deal with it. So after every session, which is I go every week on Thursday. So after every session, I always tell him. So this is what we discussed today. This is the root of the problem and stuff like that. So an example is when I quit my job and then I was managing my mom's apartments, the income wasn't as much. And then also now my money is being redirected to therapy because we know that therapy is not covered by insurance and it's not, yeah, it's not cheap. So, so I'd feel bad because from the fact that I already feel like I'm not giving anything in terms of modeling, like I'm not doing anything with myself. So financially, I also feel like I can't let you do everything. I feel like I need to be valuable even in that aspect. So you find me like I'm so stressed because I'm wondering, okay, so how can I help? How, like, where can I chip in? And then because even the money is not enough, I now start feeling bad about myself again. And so earlier on, before I'd say something, I'd just keep quiet and try and figure it out. And he'd continuously ask, what's going on, what's going on? So I tell him, I'm like, I feel like I'm being a burden to you in this relationship because I'm just taking and taking and leaving everything to you. So the fact that I'm not even able to help you in the household it's really hurting me because I feel like my value, because I don't see how, I couldn't understand how my value comes from within, yet I have all these dark things that I have to deal with. So it has to be something tangible. And I'm telling him, I, I need to help you in doing something. And then he's like, it's okay, I can handle it because already your money is going towards this 
and that is helping you and so how he reassured me is we've had like business ideas and one has come to fru- um a fruit has bore fruit and he's like you see that has helped us earn more money so you don't have to necessarily pay any bill for you to feel like you're helping foot financial bills the fact that we already have extra income coming in you're helping me financially so just things like that and then also when i have like when i have any attacks or any anxiety he'd ask me have you talked to salima because my therapist is not just i can just talk to i only talk to her during the sessions so he's like you can cuz he knows i like writing so he's like you can just write in your journal send her photo you can send her text message because even that i like doing so he's like just try that see if it's going to help you because some of these things even he doesn't know what to do and i don't know what to do so when i come to him and i'm already fully dependent on him because i feel like okay i'm not emotionally stable so i want him to be the one who i can go to and sometimes not that he's not able to he's he just doesn't know how to navigate and get to the finish point if he's not able to help me or he doesn't know how to then he'll refer me to my therapist i talk to my therapist and then because he's he's become my safe space so i'll go to my i talk to my therapist then i come back and then we deal with it so that if it happens again he's able to know okay so this is a problem and this is how we it was suggested that we work through it sometimes it doesn't work but we keep trying i feel like the fact that i have my therapist as a fallback it always helps and then also things like so as i mentioned earlier that if i do something wrong i inflict self punishment no matter how small there's one time i raised my voice and I was like oh that's wrong so i over apologize i'll keep saying i'm sorry i didn't mean to shout at you i'm sorry the shouting was because i felt like you were not listening to me i'm sorry please don't get mad at me for shouting at me and he's like it's okay i understand next time just tell me let me know that you don't feel like i'm listening to you and i'll do it so like that instance i would i withdraw myself I'm like okay I need to figure out how I'm going to punish myself so that when I come back I feel like we've already dealt with that because that's what I'm used to if you do something wrong then you're punished when he notices that I'm doing that he'll come to where I am because he knows what I'm about to do so he'll come and say okay for example you've shot you've raised your voice at me yes it is wrong but I don't take it heavily as you do so he reassures me every time because I also notice that if I do something wrong, I want it to be wrong in his eyes as well, which sometimes it's not. Some people you can do something and it doesn't even like they're not even faced by it. But for me, I want you to feel the way I'm feeling so that when we move past it, it's done. I think now because he knows that's something I do when he notices that because my withdrawal would be like, okay, I'm going to look for a place i'm just going to leave he'll come and let's say sometimes i'm irrational because you find me parking at 3am so he's like you okay i understand that you want to leave 
but it's late now. And even if you're going to look for a place, what place are you going to get at 3 a.m.? So he'll calm me down and then tell me, okay, so let's wait till morning. See how you'll be feeling. And if you need space, I can go for like during the day and give you that space. Because he, the moment you leave, I don't know what's going to happen to you. And it would be so bad for me if you leave and something happens mm-hmm. and I'm not there to even help you. So he, it's like he takes me back. He's like, okay, wait, let's reason. Because now he knows when it manifests, we try and as much as, I mean, it's not usually as perfect as I'm making it sound. Yeah, but that's how we deal with it now. Every single day, I'm scared that if I have an episode, he's going to get tired and leave. Because again, from previous experiences that's what i've seen but he's so it's like he's stuck around for so long he might actually not leave but when i have an episode i'm like okay this is the last thing like this is the last thing that he wants to deal with and i feel like sometimes even when i'm going through an episode and i verbalize it the minute i say it i'm like okay, this is, it's not as bad as it sounds in my head. So I was just overthinking it. And I feel like I say sorry too many times. It might have even (laughs) lost its place in this relationship because I'm ever apologizing. Because sometimes it's something that is going on in my head and the extent is so bad. And then I project it onto him. I make him feel like it's because you did this that's why I'm reacting like this. But then when I say it, I'm like, no, that's not it. And then I have now to take myself back and then I now explain it to him again. But I feel like genuinely he's very <laughs> he's very understanding. The fear is there and sometimes I even tell him. But this is where his reassurance comes in. He's like, if it's something that we cannot deal with, me and you we look for help outside because we've already, I think even like our honeymoon phase, eh, it was so short. (laughs) It was so short because once it started, the episode started coming up, it was like full on. So he's like, I feel like we've dealt with the worst. So like that would not be some, that's not something that you should be, that should worry you. If anything, the one thing that he wants to see is that every day I get better. And if he's able to help me do something, then that's okay. The fear is there, but there's also reassurance which counters it. So yeah, I've learned to just verbalize it. So I know some of my friends listen to this podcast and some of them will be finding out from this podcast. So when it was when I was diagnosed with it, when I was going even through the motions, so it was my I told my of course my partner, I told um my cousin who spent the birthday with me and one of my best friends. So those are the three people who I told. And then I felt like I needed to tell my sister. So I have two sisters. And I'm closer to my second born sister. So I told her because I felt like if anything goes wrong, it's my partner who will be blamed. But he's not the cause. So I told her, like even during my birthday, so I celebrated my birthday a week after 
with my family and my so my sister had called my partner and told him that so we want to do a surprise party for her are you able to bring her but he was working then so he was like i don't think it's the best thing to do because she's like she's not comfortable being in places where there's lots of people so my sister was like no it's just family and what not so when i to- so my sister when i went for the party it was a bit overwhelming for me because it was not just family <laughs> those friends to my sister's friends to my mom friends to my other sister my sister's in-laws so it was a group of people but i had to i didn't i didn't feel like i needed to tell them especially my mom i feel like i need to protect her so much i've tried talking to her about it but i'm just like no i feel like you're better off knowing me as the jolly happy you know bubbly girl so i haven't told a lot of people it's until recently when i learned that uh, one of my friends had passed on so you know i withdrew from practically all my relationships even my friends i literally was just talking to two people i mean three people so my partner my cousin and my best friend those were the only people i was talking to and so when i learned about my friend passing i was like okay i need to be there for my other friends as we're going through because he was in a band and i used to love going for live music like live performances and we had formed like a really close-knit uh friendship so amongst the group so when i went my f- like my friends asked me like where have you been and i was like is this even the right place to tell people that have been dealing with mental health when we're grieving the loss of a friend so like i told two or three of my friends and they were like i feel like we need to talk about it more because so many people are going through it and they only realize it when it's so bad i think there's even okay so when you're going through depression even in therapy the one thing that is emphasized is self care practice something that will make you feel nice if it's taking a bath if it's eating ice cream watching a movie or just relaxing that is usually something that is said a lot but i feel like even i usually call it communal care like community care where people around us need to understand that this is also new for me i don't know how to deal with it i'm learning in the process so even when i tell you don't make it the sole topic of our conversations don't make it be now sometimes i feel so overwhelmed like like in the beginning where it was like every time is are you okay are you okay how are you feeling how are you feeling i understand where that is coming from because i mean you've just learned that someone you love is going through something that could be detrimental to their health and you don't want anything to happen to them so you want to prevent anything that could worsen the situation so you're constantly asking and then also sometimes when you tell people they're like i don't think that's what the issue is like there's sometimes you know people go through such things and you're making so i feel like the aspect of even community care where because different people handle even the diagnosis differently like some people will be angry some some of my friends like there's one friend who I told and they were like why didn't you tell me and i'm like because 
I don't even know how you'd react and I don't want it to to become now like a burden to you that I'm not okay and I'm also learning to deal with that because sometimes it's okay for someone to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself but I don't know how to even how to tell or how to even help my support system to navigate this so that we move towards the same direction so that it's not okay I'm depressed and I how do I say it it's so hard because you know you can't you can't blame someone for how they react to you telling them you can't because now if it if you tell them and then it comes back to you like but why didn't you tell us early enough and I'm like because I mean, even for me to understand what this is, it's so hard for me. And when I, sometimes when you tell, and I've also realized, like, sometimes when you tell people your problems, this doesn't have to do with, like, depression because it doesn't happen to me. Like, sometimes when you tell someone something, it's like they want to help find a solution for it. Well, really, all you need is just someone to just listen. So it's really hard to navigate how to put your support system in a way that it doesn't come off that it's a burden to you feel like you're being a burden to them and also the reaction that you get from them is not what you expect. So navigating that space, I'm not sure how it would be done because even I haven't told <laughs> most people so diagnosis for everyone is done differently there's some who go to like psychiatrists there's some who go to psychotherapists there's some who just go to therapists and because of even the way that our culture is set up therapy is even something that is quite new like we're just getting used to it and for someone to take the step and decide okay this is a prob- this is something that i've been dealing with and i need to get help and then you're told okay it's depression it's anxiety okay those are the two main ones that i know so if you're told that at first denial is you know it's it's easier to deny because now you know that I need to work through these things so that I can be able to move past them. The first stages from my experience were very excruciating because sometimes you have to dig so deep into things that you in your head you're like okay let me I never want to deal with this again and you put it in the back of your mind. But when you go to therapy you start unpacking these things and it's so excruciating because like for me personally when i remember things i remember them to the detail of this is some to some extent i even remember what i was wearing what that day was like was it sunny i remember everything to detail and it's like you have to relive through those experiences and it's so painful but that's the one way that you're able to deal with it because you see what happens is when you pile all these things up they eventually catch up with you and you have to it's like you have to let it out one by one some things will take time before you deal with them some things you might not even deal with them 
you might just be able to learn how to cope with that situation. Not mm-hmm. everything is going to go away. Mm-hmm. So if you get a diagnosis or if you've gotten a diagnosis, I think just allow yourself to go through it. You've already made the first step of seeking help and you've gotten the diagnosis. I know it's not the same, but it's like when you go to a hospital and you're told, okay, so you have, let's say like in my case, every time I have my periods, I get anemia. So it's like you have anemia. So you need to take these drugs so that your blood supply goes up. And it's just the same thing. You're told, okay, this is what you have and this is how we're going to deal with it. So allowing yourself to go through it and being kind to yourself, that's something I'm still learning, not to be too hard on myself. Just because I've gone to therapy this week, it doesn't mean, if I go to therapy on Thursday, it doesn't mean that tomorrow, that means that I'm automatically going to be okay. So it's allowing yourself to know that it's a process. Every step you make it's towards dealing with these issues. Some which you might not, again, be able to deal with. and But you learn how to, if it happens, this is how I'll cope with it. And even you get, you do away with some tendencies or behaviors or habits that you had created that were unhealthy for you. And now you pick up something that is healthier for you. Like maybe you were not used to talking to someone, but now you have maybe a therapist or you have a journal so you create you're able to create almost this quote-unquote perfect life that you want so now you're the one who's in control because when you get a diagnosis especially if it's things that have to deal with past traumas you didn't have control then but now you're the one in control so you take it as your own it's like you start parenting yourself you become your own baby and you say okay I'm not had a good day. It's just like how you would talk to, you imagine yourself going through the same thing as maybe your daughter or your niece or your nephew and they come and tell you, someone at school said this to me, so like, or at work. So it's like now you, you baby yourself and you take care of yourself in a way that your present now, which is going to be your past in your future, you'll thank yourself that, okay, this was a problem earlier on this is how I dealt with it and right now I'm in a better space to an extent where if someone else comes and tells me I'll even be able to help them I think that's the one thing that I've learned even as I deal with depression and even as I navigate it (laughs) with my partner because now I'm not alone and I have to take into consideration that Even this relationship, it's an emotional journey and my emotions come to play and it's going to, when I have a bad day, it's going to affect my partner. If he has a bad day, it's going to affect me. So it's just that aspect of taking care of yourself. And if you feel like it's too much, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to just say it. I know sometimes, because I've had to go to work on days where I'm just like, like I've had a breakdown in the morning and then I still you still have to show up because there's something you still have to do. So I still show up to work and that let me say like as a distraction, work as a distraction, sometimes it even helps you to get your mind off it or even realize that it wasn't as bad as I thought. I can actually just get through it if I because sometimes some of these things are in like it's just in your head. Then the minute you let it out you're like "Mm, okay my mind does a lot of work (laughs) 
it's been overworking. So just be kind to yourself. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you the story is going to be one for the books? It's so insightful. It's so insightful and also so real about therapy. Because, man, first and foremost, when she talks about how she was used to blaming others and not really figuring out what she was contributing to issues, I went through that recently in therapy and my therapist was just like, okay, but even you was like, you're saying such true things so loudly. (laughs) I don't want to hear them. And then when she talks about centering yourself or like when you tell people what you're going through and then they center themselves in your issue, I have been navigating that the past couple of months with people who are close to me and just feeling like they've centered themselves and their feelings in something I was navigating. And I could see clearly that they were doing it and that I didn't appreciate it. And it was kind of like making me pull back, pull back away from them. And then guess what? Last week, Friday, I do the same thing to one of my closest friends. I literally centered myself in an issue that he was going through. And when he he didn't call me out on it, but he said a one-liner that kind of brought me back to earth. And I was like, oh my God, did I just do that thing that I've been saying that everybody around me has been doing? I've done it to someone else. And so I know how it feels. And I feel, I actually still feel so terrible. I mean, I've apologized and everything, but like, ah, I don't know. Like, it's so funny how you can identify certain not cool behaviors in others. And then you end up doing the same thing. Ah, feels terrible. I also like when she talks about needing space and communicating that. And even when she talks about her partner, it's... (laughs) I would love to record his story because I need to understand how that enlightenment or that level of enlightenment was achieved because not very many people understand how very concise in communication you have to be, especially when you are in a relationship with somebody who has anxiety. That I can only speak from that perspective. I'm not sure about depression and how that works, but I know for me having general anxiety disorder, man, you need to be somebody who will not take offense when you communicate wanting some space, somebody who's very clear in communication so you don't overthink yourself into a an entire anxiety attack. I mean, even you have to be clear with communication to them. But yeah, it does make things hella tricky. Oof, 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 oof. Hella tricky. Okay, I'm so glad that she shared her story and she did sign up to share her story via the storyteller form. So if you've listened to this episode, you're African and you have a story you want to share, just fill out the form The link is in the show notes. Do remember as well that this podcast plays on Trace FM in Kenya. So if you go to traceradio.co.ke, you'll have a list of all the frequencies for the different counties or cities in Kenya. And you can catch us there every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. and every Friday at 1 p.m. When I sing things, it means I'm very at peace and I'm very happy. So... (laughs) 
that's like the disclaimer for you having to have bust eardrums because of my horrible singing. Please join the Legally Clueless community as well. A link to it is in the show notes or just go to legallycluelessafrica.com. I'm very excited about our community. So if you have not joined yet, make sure you do so. Last but not least, have you noticed in the last two episodes, well, this one and 174, I have not complained about noise. It's because y'all have moved. I've moved out of noisy Nairobi. And I'm actually so much happier. <laughs> I can't explain just how happy I am, but I'm I'm so much happier. I wake up with a much clearer mind. Even my eyes are whiter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there must be less pollution here. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to dedicate an another episode to just explain to you where I am, what I'm doing, as soon as I finish settling in. But yup. No noise, no loud children, and most importantly, no neighbors with loud water pumps. Hey! That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode. 